Chapter 3 In description of those people who receive revelation from God in the perfect and clearest manner, and enjoy the honor of converse and discourse in a perfect manner, and the dreams that they see are also true like the breaking of the dawn, and who have the most perfect and complete relationship of love with God. They enter the fire of divine love, and their carnal self is totally consumed by the flame of light. It should be borne in mind that God Almighty is most benevolent and merciful. Whoever turns to him with sincerity and purity, he responds with even greater sincerity and purity for him. Whoever advances towards him with a sincere heart never goes to waste. Almighty God possesses magnificent attributes of love, fidelity, grace, munificence, and displaying divine wonder, but they are fully witnessed only by those who are completely lost in his love. Although he is very benevolent and merciful, he is also independent and self-sufficient. Therefore, only he who dies in his path attains life from him, and only he who forsakes everything for him receives the heavenly bounty. Those who establish a perfect relationship with God Almighty are like a person who first sees a light of fire from a distance and then draws closer to it until he puts himself into the fire. His whole body is thereby consumed and only the fire remains. Likewise, the one who has a perfect relationship continues to get closer to God day by day until his entire self is cast into the fire of divine love. And the carnal self is reduced to ashes by the flame of divine light and the fire takes its place. This is the culmination of the blessed love with God. The principal indicator that a person enjoys the perfect relationship with God is that the attributes of the divine are manifested in him. The base characteristics of human nature having been consumed by the divine flame of light, a new being is born and a new life emerges which is totally different from the former life. Similar to when a bar of iron is placed in a fire and the fire overpowers it completely. That bar of iron develops the exact appearance of the fire, but it cannot be said that it is the fire itself, even though it manifests the characteristics of the fire. In the same way, the one whose entire being is engulfed by the fire of divine love, he too becomes the manifestation of divine glory, but it cannot be said that he is God, for he is only a human whom that fire has completely engulfed. After the fire has completely dominated, thousands of signs of consummate love appear. Not just one solitary sign, which would remain doubtful to a discerning person and seeker after the truth. Rather, this relationship is recognized by hundreds of signs. Footnote 1. A major sign of the perfect relationship with God is that, just as God has dominance over everything, such a person also dominates over all of his enemies and adversaries. Allah has decreed, More surely I will prevail, I and my messengers. Chapter 58, verse 22 One of these signs is that, from time to time, the benevolent God causes his eloquent and pleasant word, which possesses the full force of divine glory, blessing, and news of the unseen to flow from his tongue. And it is accompanied by a light that validates it as an unequivocal fact, not a conjecture. It is accompanied by a divine radiance and is free from all impurities. 
Many a time and with the utmost frequency and probability, that word consists of some grand prophecy. The scope of his prophecies is broad and universal, and they are unparalleled in both quantity and quality, and no one can present the like of them. They are filled with divine awe and majesty, and through the perfect providence of God, the very face of God is visible in them. His prophecies are not like those of astrologers. Rather, they contain the hallmarks of dearness and acceptance, and they are replete with divine support and help. Some prophecies relate to his own self, some to his children, some to his friends, some to his foes, some to the world in general, and some to his wives and relatives. Such matters are disclosed to him as are not disclosed to others, and the doors to the unseen that are not open to others are open to his prophecies. God's word descends upon him in the same manner as it descends upon God's holy prophets and messengers, and it is unequivocal and free from conjecture. God's word descends upon him in the same manner as it descends upon God's holy prophets and messengers, and it is unequivocal and free from conjecture. The tongue of such a person is so blessed that the words that flow from it cannot be matched by anyone in the world, both in their abundance and spiritual significance. His eye is given visionary power with which he can see the most hidden of matters. Oftentimes, written texts are presented before his eyes. He meets the dead like the living. Oftentimes, things that are thousands of miles away appear before his eyes as if they were lying under his feet. Similarly, his ears are given the ability to hear concealed things. Often he hears the voice of angels and derives solace from their voice in times of anguish. The greatest wonder is that even the voice of minerals, plants, and animals reaches him on certain occasions, as has been said. The philosopher who denies the event of Hanana is totally unaware of the extraordinary senses of the prophets. Similarly, his nose is granted the capability to smell fragrance from the unseen. Oftentimes, he can smell joyful tidings and detect the odor of the abominable. Likewise, his heart is granted sagacity and many things that he perceives turn out to be correct. Likewise, Satan is rendered incapable of influencing him because Satan has no share left in him. Because of his being completely lost in God, his tongue is the tongue of God at all times, and his hand is the hand of God. Even if he does not receive revelation specifically, whatever flows from his tongue is not from him, but is from God. This is because his carnal self is totally consumed, and death having overtaken his lower self, a new and pure life upon which divine light is constantly reflected, is granted to him. Similarly, his forehead is granted a light that is not granted to anyone except the lovers of God. On some special occasions, this light shines so brightly that even a disbeliever can perceive it. This happens particularly when such people, while being persecuted, turn to God to seek his help. Thus, that moment of advancement towards God is a special moment for them, and the divine light manifests itself in their forehead. Similarly, their hands, their feet, and their entire body are granted a blessing as a result of which even the garment they wear becomes blessed. 
Oftentimes, their touching or placing a hand on someone causes the eradication of that person's spiritual or physical maladies. Similarly, the Lord of honor and glory bestows a blessing upon the houses wherein they dwell. Such a house remains safe from calamities and the angels of God guard it. Similarly, a blessing and distinction is granted to their town or village. Likewise, even the dust upon which they tread receives a share of that blessing. In the same way, all desires of the people of this rank often assume the color of prophecies. That is to say, when they feel a strong desire to eat or drink or wear or to see something, that desire takes the form of a prophecy. Hence, prior to the actual attainment, when a compulsive desire to obtain something arises in their hearts, it becomes available. Their pleasure or displeasure also has a prophetic element to it. When they are greatly pleased and happy with a person, it bodes well for the future success and prosperity of that individual. And when they are wroth with someone, it is an indication of his future affliction and ruin. This happens because, being completely lost in God, they dwell in the court of God. Their pleasure and wrath is God's pleasure and wrath and it does not arise from the promptings of their inner selves, but such states are created in them by God. Likewise, their prayer and attention is not like ordinary prayers or attention. Indeed, it has a profound effect. There is no doubt that if a decree is not final and irrevocable, and their attention with all its necessary conditions is focused to avert a calamity, God averts it regardless of whether it relates to a single person, a few individuals, a country, or a ruling monarch. The secret behind all this is that these people have annihilated their own selves and their will often coincides with the will of God. Therefore, when they focus intensely upon averting a calamity and achieve the needed advancement towards God with an anguished heart, God's eternal way is that he hears them. Thus, it happens that God does not reject their supplication. However, on certain occasions, to prove their servitude, their prayer is not granted so that the ignorant might not consider them to be partners with God. If it so happens that a calamity has descended and the associated signs of death have appeared, it is generally the way of God that the calamity is not postponed. On such occasions, it befits the elect of God to cease their prayers and resign themselves to his will. The best time for prayer is a time when signs of despair and hopelessness are not yet fully manifested, and such signs have not yet appeared as clearly show that the calamity is imminent and in manner of speaking has already occurred. This is so because it is the divine practice in general that when God Almighty has manifested his will with regard to a chastisement, he does not revoke his will. It is absolutely true that the vast majority of the prayers of God's elect are granted. Indeed, the very acceptance of prayer is their greatest miracle. When their hearts suffer intense anguish during the time of some affliction, and in this state of intense anguish, they turn their attention towards their God, He hears them, and at that moment, their hand is as if it were the hand of God. God is like a hidden treasure. He manifests his countenance through those whom he has bestowed his perfect acceptance.
When his chosen ones are tormented, then indeed the signs of God appear, and when they are tormented beyond limit, then be certain that God's sign is near. Nay, it is at the door, because they are the kind of people whom God loves more than anyone can love their dearest son. For those who love him with all their heart and soul, he shows extraordinary signs. He displays such of his might as a lion awoken from its slumber. God is hidden, and these are the people who manifest him. He is cloaked in a thousand veils. His countenance is revealed to this group of his elect. It should also be remembered that the notion that every single prayer of the chosen ones gets accepted is absolutely false. Rather, the fact is that God maintains a friendly protocol with the chosen ones. At times he accepts their prayers and at other times he wants them to submit to his will, just as you see in friendship. Sometimes a person accepts what his friend says and does what he wants, but at other times he wants his friend to accept what he says. This is what God Almighty refers to in the Holy Quran. At one place in the Holy Quran, he promises the acceptance of the prayers of the believers and says, meaning that, pray unto me and I will accept your prayer. Chapter 40, verse 61. However, at another place, he instructs them to remain pleased and content with his decree and manifest destiny, as he says, And we will try you with something of fear and hunger and loss of wealth and lives and fruits, but give glad tidings to the patient, who when a misfortune overtakes them, say, Surely to Allah we belong, and to him shall we return. Chapter 2, verse 156 to 157. Therefore, by reading these two verses in conjunction, it becomes clear what the practice of Allah is regarding prayers and what the relationship between the Lord and servant is. I deem it proper to write about this again so that a naive person may not wonder. Other people share in many of the aspects that have been described regarding the people at the third level of perfect faith and perfect love. And so far as ordinary people also experience dreams, have visions, and receive revelations. Therefore, what is their distinction? Although I have answered these concerns many times, I reiterate that the difference between the chosen ones and the non-chosen ones is tremendous, as has been briefly described in this dissertation. Notwithstanding, with regard to heavenly signs, one great difference is this distinction that the chosen people of God, who are suffused with divine light and whose inner selves are consumed by the fire of love, remain dominant over others in every excellence, both qualitatively and quantitatively. The signs of divine help and support appear in their favor in such an extraordinary manner and with such abundance that no one in the world can dare to produce their like. For as I have already mentioned, these people are the perfect manifestation to show the face of God who is concealed. They show the hidden God to the world, and God shows them. And I have previously mentioned, there are three types of people who partake of heavenly signs. Firstly, those who possess no merit in themselves and have no relationship with God Almighty, but who on account of their mental compatibility see some true dreams and witness some true visions but without manifesting any sign of acceptance and endearment, nor do they derive any benefit from them. Thousands of wicked, 
evil, sinful, and immoral ones share with them such malodorous dreams and revelations. It is often observed that despite such dreams and visions, their conduct is not praiseworthy. At a minimum, their faith is very weak, so much so that they do not have the courage to give a true testimony, and they do not fear God as much as they fear the world, and they cannot sever themselves from the wicked. They are extremely slothful and lazy in respect of religious obligations and are preoccupied day and night with worldly concerns and worries. They deliberately support falsehood and abandon truth. They are guilty of dishonesty at every step. Moreover, some of them do not even restrain themselves from vice and sin and resort to every unlawful device for the purpose of acquiring worldly benefits. The moral condition of some of them is deplorable and they are the embodiment of jealousy, miserliness, self-conceit, arrogance, and pride. They perpetrate every mean act and a variety of despicable traits are found in them. It is peculiar that some of them are such that they always see evil dreams and they even come true, as if their brains have been fashioned only for evil and ill-omened dreams. They are incapable of having dreams that foretell their own betterment in worldly affairs and attainment of their desires, or dreams that foretell any good fortune for others. The quality of their dreams out of the three types can be described as resembling the physical experience of a person who perceives only smoke from a distance but does not see the light of the fire nor does he feel its warmth. Because such people have no relationship with God and with spiritual matters, their lot is mere smoke from which no light is obtained. Then the second category of people who see dreams or experience revelations are those who have some relationship with God Almighty, but that relationship is not perfect. The quality of their dreams or revelations resembles the physical experience of a person who perceives the light of a fire far away on a dark and frigid night. This sight provides at least the benefit that he avoids the path which has many potholes, thorns, rocks, serpents, and beasts, but this much light cannot save him from the cold and destruction. Thus, if such a person fails to reach the warm circle of the fire, he is destroyed just like one who walks in the dark. Then the third category of people who experience revelations and see dreams are those whose quality of dreams and revelations resembles the physical experience of a person who, on a dark and frigid night, not only finds the full radiance of the fire and walks in it, but also, by entering its warm circle, is fully safeguarded against the ill effects of the cold. This rank is attained by those who incinerate the cloak of carnal passions in the fire of divine love and adopt an arduous life for the sake of God. They see the death that lies ahead, yet they rush to choose that death for themselves. They embrace every pain in the path of God. For the sake of God, by becoming the enemy of their ego and marching against it, they exhibit such power of faith that even the angels are amazed and astounded at the strength of their faith. They are spiritual champions and all of Satan's assaults amount to nothing in opposition to their spiritual strength. 
They are true in their faithfulness and uncompromising in their truthfulness, such that the sights of worldly pleasures cannot beguile them, nor can the love of children or the bond of matrimony turn them away from their true beloved. In short, no bitterness can frighten them, nor can any carnal pleasure hinder them from God, nor can any relationship interfere with their relationship with God. These are the three states of spiritual ranks, of which the first is named Ilmul Yakin, knowledge by inference, the second is designated Enul Yakin, certainty by sight, and the third blessed and perfect rank is known as the Hakul Yakin, true certainty. The cognition of any human being cannot be perfected, nor can it be washed clean of all impurities, until it reaches the stage of Hakul Yakin. But this stage does not depend only on observation, but descends upon the heart of a man as an actual experience, and the man being thrust into the blazing fire of divine love is totally separated from his carnal self. Arriving at this stage, human cognition moves from hearsay to actual experience, and the ignoble self is totally burned to ashes, and such a man becomes seated in the lap of God Almighty. Just as a piece of iron, being placed in fire, assumes the appearance of fire and the characteristics of fire start to manifest through it, in the same way, a person of this rank figuratively becomes endowed with divine attributes. He is, by nature, so completely lost in the pursuit of the pleasure of God that he speaks while being immersed in God, sees while being immersed in God, hears while being immersed in God, and walks while being immersed in God, as if there is only God inside his cloak. His human nature is overpowered by the manifestations of the divine. Since this subject is delicate and is beyond ordinary comprehension, I shall therefore leave it at this point. In yet another way, I may illustrate this third rank, which is the superior and perfect rank, in the following manner. The perfect revelation, which is the third of the three types of revelation and descends upon the perfect individual, is as if the light and the rays of the sun fall on a polished mirror which is perfectly facing it. It is obvious that, though the light of the sun is the same, differences develop in the manner in which it appears according to the various objects that reflect it. Thus, when a ray of the sun falls on such a dense area of earth that does not have clean and pure water on its surface, but rather has black and dark dust, and the surface is also uneven, then the reflection of the ray is very weak, particularly in the event that a cloud should be intervening between the sun and the earth. But when the same ray, in front of which there is no intervening cloud, falls on clear water, that shines like a polished mirror, then the same ray is intensified tenfold in its appearance, so much so that the eye cannot even bear it. In the same manner, when revelation descends upon a soul that has attained purification, having been cleansed of all impurities, its luster is manifest to an extraordinary degree. The reflection of divine attributes upon the soul becomes complete, and the countenance of the one true God is fully revealed. It is obvious from this inquiry that when the sun rises, its light falls on every pure and impure surface, even to the extent that the outhouse, which is a place of filth, 
partakes of it. However, the full benefit of that light is obtained by that clean mirror, or clean water, which by virtue of its own perfect impurity. However, the full benefit of that light is obtained by that clean mirror, or clean water, which by virtue of its own perfect purity is capable of portraying the image of the sun itself. Similarly, due to the fact that God is not miserly, everyone is benefited by his light. However, the condition of those who become the perfect manifestation of God because of the annihilation of their corporeal self and in whose being God enters by way of reflection is uniquely distinct from all others. As you can see, although the sun is in the sky, when it faces clear water or a polished mirror, it appears as though it is in the water or mirror. However, the fact of the matter is that it is not in the water or mirror, yet on account of its perfect purity and sheen, the water or the mirror creates the impression as if it is in the water or the mirror. Thus, the light of divine revelation is accepted in its perfect and utmost quality only by the soul which attains complete and perfect purification. Mere receipt of revelation and dream does not indicate any merit or excellence, so long as the soul does not attain this quality of reflectiveness, and so long as the countenance of the true beloved is not reflected in it. Just as the general grace of God has endowed everyone in the physical realm, with a few exceptions, with eyes, nose, ears, the sense of smell, and all the faculties, and has not been miserly with any nation, similarly in the spiritual realm. He has not excluded the people of any age or nation from sowing the seeds of their spiritual faculties. Just as you see the light of the sun falls everywhere and no place, delicate or dense, is excluded. The same is the law of nature pertaining to the light of the spiritual sun, that neither a dense place can remain deprived of that light nor a delicate one. However, that light is in love with the pure and clean hearts. When the spiritual sun casts its light on pure objects, it manifests its entire light in them to the extent that it draws the picture of its face in them. As you observe, when the sun is directly facing some clear water or a polished mirror, it manifests its entire image in them, so much so that just as the sun is visible in the sky, it is equally visible in that clear water or the mirror without any difference.